0: Welcome to the AUSA Podcast. I'm Brenna, the Director of Student Activities.
1: And I'm Luke, the Podcast Producer here.
0: In order to foster connections, encourage community, and create fun, we host the podcast each week.
1: We're here to help you navigate life on campus, life as a college student, and how to see God in both.
0: We're so glad you're here. Let's dive in.
1: hello welcome back to the Aosa podcast today Brenna is out but uh, we do have a guest today uh, if you want to introduce yourself
2: my name is dr. Catherine Weima and I teach in the English department
1: awesome yeah I've had dr. Weima for two three two 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 classes I think yeah 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 um, oh yeah Lewis and Tolkien and superheroes, superheroes. Uh, both amazing oh man and uh, just have kind of become friends sort of thing um, and just really value her as a professor and as a person. And um, when we were thinking about this conversation, uh, Brenna and I and a few of the other people on the team, um, I like immediately just you came to mind. There could be no better person, I think, for this um, just because of some of the things that you've said in class. Um, but yeah, so if you want to talk a little bit about, um, oh, the topic is like bad days, by the way, for all of you listening, like, how do you navigate a bad day? What does that look like? Um, yeah, we'll flesh that out as we go. But yeah, do you want to talk about maybe what you studied, what your thesis was in kind of like your passion of academia, what that is?
2: Well, um, so I studied at the university of St. Andrews in Scotland, um, the best country in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I studied at the university of St. Andrews in Scotland and it's the home of golf. Mm. That's one of the things that Americans connect them to. Uh, also a fellow alum would be, um, William and Kate. Oh so yeah. That's where they that's met. Right. Yeah. That was fun. Um, it was interesting being in a tourist town but um i my phd and most of my academic writing is looks at um lay devotional poetry and prose in the 16th century Mm. so lots of um prayer books and poetry mm. paraphrases based on the Psalms. Um, specifically, my PhD looked at the corporeality of the penitential Psalms in the Protestant Revolution, so, or Reformation, excuse <laughs> me, <laughs> Reformation. Um, so what did the layperson, people like you and mm. me, not clergy, um, what did they do when the Protestant Reformation comes along? Mm. How did they treat the penitential psalms. There are seven of them um, that had been so connected to the act of confession Mm. and the sacrament of penance. Um, And then how did they kind of view their own bodies in relation to sin and um, the psalms? And so, yeah.
1: Yeah. What, for maybe people who aren't familiar, what are the penitential psalms? Like what does that mean in scripture?
2: So um, since like the third century, mm-hmm. um, they've been connect There are seven of them, and they've been connected to um, the sacram- sacrament of penance. That is, uh, confessing your sins, mm-hmm. and then trying to um, do penance or do do deeds for them. Um, Psalm fifty one is yeah. a really well known one um, that's connected to that. So the one that David wrote after, um, yeah, his raping of Bathsheba. So. It was interesting because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of gendering that goes on hmm. in the Reformation period. Um, there's lots of images of women, and obviously Bathsheba connected to the Psalms. So, yeah,
1: that is super interesting. Um, has that been, or how maybe how has that been helpful? Because I'm sure it has been. How has that been helpful in the sort of like interpersonal aspects of being a professor? Because I know like definitely having taken some of your classes before that is something that you super emphasize is like we're like sure I'm up here teaching you but we're also all people um, and it's I think a super important thing about like just being a professor and I think something that most if not honestly all of the professors I've had here do really really well um, but yeah so kind of I guess how has your study of like very emotional like human writing? been helpful in in that
2: um
1: so at au a lot of
2: my uh a lot of my teaching and classes has to do with um english 101 and 102 mm-hmm. so composition and communicating um better but i think it's also it, it's helped me kind of be aware of the connection between um articulating our interiority Um, How do we talk about our internal selves, our emotions? How do we talk about our internal landscape? Mm. And then connecting that to um, the outside, right? Yeah. Because I can't see what's going on on your inside, right? Right, Your your feelings, you Mm. can't see mine. So really writing or speaking about them are the ways that we have to communicate Mm. them. So I guess that's probably a thread that's been through all of my classes.
1: Mm. I was just talking with a friend about how like words are kind of, I I might say prayer, but like words are like the, the road that connects the head to the heart. Mm. Um, and I guess like the intellect to the emotion or however you want to like tee that up. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that's true and really important to recognize. Um, yeah, cool. So bad days happen. (laughs) (laughs)
2: yes,
1: (laughs) Uh, Seemingly like more and more often, uh, been having like a weird week i wouldn't call it like a bad week just like a super weird just like few weeks um so i guess whether you want to call it a hard day or a bad day or like um i know someone who calls them right days because Mm. like uh kind of the day might suck whatever it might be really hard difficult but like god is still sovereign over it um that's another episode
0: whether yeah. you believe that or not
1: <laughs> um but yeah how like do you want to share your experience maybe with bad days and and kind of the connotations that has with you and sort of what you have like experienced
2: well the funny thing is when you sent me a message on Instagram and you said hey would you talk about a bad day i had literally had a bad day hmm. <laughs> there had <laughs> been tears there had been you know frustrating words yeah. in my house Um, I have, my students know this, but I have two kids, Mm -hmm. Uh, one's very little, he's three and another one's six. So, um, it's, it's really kind of, and I became a mother later in life. Mm -hmm. Um, I had my first child at 36 and it, I don't know if it's just because I'm older. And so I feel out of step with a lot Mm -hmm. of life transitions. Um, my friends have kids who are freshmen in college now, Mm -hmm. you know, and I have a three year old. So, um, I think, I think maybe approaching days can, there's a lot of different factors that can, um, impact us. Right. Yeah. So like, um, in my own life and maybe, maybe in students' lives, um, a relationship, a significant relationship, mm. can make a difference. So, like, I have a, a husband, I have my kids, mm. and then there's also the work, yeah, environment that can impact us. But also, um, community. So, the community of my classroom, mm. my students can impact me. Um, and of course, if you're an empathetic person, um, like other people around you,
0: yeah, maybe <laughs> like
2: roommates or, right, you know, different things like that. Um, and then, I mean, for me personally, a large part of what my story looks like is, um, a chronic illness. Mm. And so I deal with that on a daily basis. It's something that I'm constantly thinking about trying to manage and, um, negotiate and it can lead to a lot of bad days, Mm. a lot of hard days, um, because it can kind of, Uh, temper everything else it's kind of like when you walk outside and it's raining Hmm. Um, it can change the way that you look at everything yeah so
1: yeah and I think like when kind of like even if the day is good and like the like situations around you I think and and everything like if there's a larger thing like for me sophomore year there was like this big relational thing that kind of blew up and was just awful and um, like I would have good days. Like I'd had fine days, like sunny days, or if I was like feeling a little emo, like a rainy day would be really good. Um, And like fun with friends, whatever, see, watch a good movie. But like that thing would literally like just hover over everything and just be like, this is something that is not going to go away soon. Um, And that's really hard.
2: And Uh, trying to figure out like, how do you live with something that's not going to end?
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess like, and and I think to clarify also, we're using bad day um, as kind of maybe a shorthand is a good term for like a difficult time of like disappointment or grief or like a struggle or heartache or whatever. And those can be like big or little, or I mean, big or little in size, not in significance. Cause like mm. a really like quote unquote small thing can feel like hugely significant. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think that's something that like we touched on that last week on the podcast of how like we talked about change and how difficult that can be and change like specifically like a major change feels like a big deal, but like really isn't, but that's not to minimize it. It's maybe to just put it in perspective. And I think a similar thing, um, is useful when talking about like a bad day or like, um, even just like bad month or a really hard circumstance or something that you just have to grapple with for however long you have to grapple with it. Um, can be really exhausting and but yeah. also it's important to like keep it in perspective like like actually how it affects you and don't like dramaticize something and also don't like don't minimize something as you feel bad about it. Yeah. That's a bigger problem I think. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think do you think it's unhelpful to just kind of throw on a happy face and like grin and bear it a little bit um and maybe take on Uh, an exceedingly optimistic outlook on your circumstances or your situation or whatever, whatever it is, even if it is like genuinely really difficult.
2: Uh, The short answer is (laughs) absolutely yes. Uh (laughs) But the, but the longer answer would be um, like, not everybody is going to be able to help you bear that burden. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're walking past the person who happened to sip, beside you the night before at a CEP yeah, and you just say, hi, right. you know, you're not going to want to stop them on the sidewalk and say, guess what? You know, my yeah. boyfriend just broke up with me. Uh-huh. Um, or I just failed this test, mm-hmm. you know? So I think finding appropriate places that you can share things is yeah. helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but also hashtag blessed mm. is toxic.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, cause it, so I guess um, I'll kind of back up a little bit. I'm not the first one to come up with the idea of toxic positivity. Uh, Kate hmm. Bowler is a, is a wonderful academic hmm. at um, Duke and she's a religious historian, but also believer and has written a lot of hmm. good things about her own uh, struggles with cancer. Yeah, And so her idea is that this toxic positivity can make Mm. whatever you're dealing with actually harder.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure.
2: Because you're not being true to yourself, but then you're also not giving others the opportunity to actually Mm. enter into it and create an authentic moment of community with you. Yeah. Um, But I mean, just all I have is my personal experience, but um, like, as a professor, it's not really my job to walk into a classroom and, right, you know, spill my guts. Right. Or my three-year-old just screamed, I hate you because I'm making him poop in the potty, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not going to be helpful. Uh-huh. Um, but finding those places where I can mm-hmm. be authentic and share can help yeah. my burden be better.
1: Yeah, it is about context, for sure. Um, like, my housemate is and like— friend, also not just a housemate, but yeah. like is a person that I can voice like really hard things to. But mm-hmm. like the person that I don't know sitting across from me in like one of the armchairs in Books and Beans like doesn't want to hear that. Like
2: it's, <laughs>
1: yes. then it's just awkward and hard and I don't know. Even like acquaintances or or people that you're close with. Like I'm on B Sam leadership. Like I'm like close with a lot of people on leadership, mm-hmm. but not necessarily to a degree that I could say like, maybe like, hey, I'm having a hard day, but not to the degree that I could like tell them about it and expect them to like genuinely like care for me, not like Mm -hmm. care or not care about the situation, but like care for me in the situation. Because I think like I'm a super empathetic person. So when someone's having a bad day, like that affects me. And also like, it's easy for me to, actually care about people that I even kind of know and in, in their situations and their circumstances, because like, I I have no idea why, I don't know why, because um, it's just a thing. So that can be really hard, but it's also really helpful sometimes, but it's really unfair for me to expect that of other people um, when oh boy, it's me. That's hard. It is. Yeah. It's <laughs> really hard. That is a
2: really hard, like, balance to strike.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's. It is, like, amazing to just have friends who, like, get that and, like, will ask prodding questions and, like, make sure that even, like, as I'm there for other people, like, there's always someone around for me. Like, I don't think anybody on the student activities team knows this. So if you're listening.
2: Super secret. Yeah.
1: This is, like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, We did, like. There's not a lot of us. I mean, there's, like, a good amount of us, but, you know, um, there's, like, 17, I think. Maybe that number's wrong. Maybe. Who knows? Um, We did testimonies, and a couple people, like, just had really, really heavy things that they have dealt with, and it just, like, hit me hard, and I was like, oof, and I didn't, like, tell them that or anything, so they probably know who they are, but, (laughs) and it's not, like, anyone's fault when that happens, um, but... It is just a great opportunity for someone to be painted in a new light, um, and I think that is. There's like the cliche of don't like treat people nicely because you don't know what they're going through, and like that holds up true. Like it's not just a cliche for sake of saying it; yeah. it like actually, is true. I think um,
2: the first time I ever was kind of like introduced to the idea of healthy boundaries as far as like sh- what you share. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the person drew a target hmm. like circles yeah. that are inside each other. And, um, if you think about Jesus and the way that he related to people, yeah. you know, he had a big group of people where was like a hundred and something people who knew him, who right. he sent out to spread his message. And then we get to the apostles. But then even within the apostles, there were the three mm. that he really, he, he um, shared himself with, mm-hmm. and he took specific places with him aside from the apostles, yeah. and so like the twelve. Um, and I thought that was really helpful to think about the fact that like you can you can be authentic and real with a certain yeah. a certain group of people, um, and just thinking about like healthy boundaries, and that's a good kind of a good image, mm-hmm. right? Because even Jesus did that too. He couldn't be close yeah. friends with everybody,
1: right? Because I mean that is so exhausting, and mm-hmm. and like at a certain degree is superficial. Like you can't right. honestly care for that many people. Yeah. Um, there's this amazing quote by an amazing man, Henry Nowen. He's like my favorite. Um, he says, "God wants to bring joy, not pain; peace, not war; healing, not suffering. Therefore, instead of declaring anything and everything to be the will of God." We must be willing to ask ourselves where, in the midst of our pains and sufferings, we can discern the loving presence of God. Mm. That's from a book he wrote called Compassion. Um, and I like—I am sick of the like God has a plan in like the highs and Bobby the lows. Lobby, we're looking at you, man. Like <laughs> I read a book this summer. I'm going to talk about it a little later in the episode because I love this book. But I think I scared uh, one of my housemates today when i left for the day because we were talking about things and i was like i don't think i'll ever be on board with like the full like entire sovereignty of god in all the minutia ever again after reading this book and he's like whoa and then i was like okay (laughs) bye (laughs) um i feel a little bad but we'll talk about it at dinner um and later in this episode so malcolm if you're listening (laughs) it's okay i have not apostatized um or he's Calvinist. He doesn't think you can't apostatize.
2: Oh, there you go. Anyway, so you're so fine. I'm safe. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I think like going way back to like the unhealthy optimism, optimism, I guess, like that's something that I wish I could do, like not unhealthily, but I wish I could just kind of be like, Oh, like, yeah, it's fine. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be like, I just can't, I don't know. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I'm happy that I am like in a place where I can comfortably feel what I feel. Um, And, like, usually the closest I can get is like an oh, well, what can you do? Um, And that might be bad. I literally said that today. Um, That might be bad. (laughs) But, like, so on the one hand, I kind of envy people for their optimism. And, like, I think optimism is so different than joy. That is another episode. Um, But on the other hand, like, I am glad I can take a step back and, like, maybe not see big picture, but just, like, see things for what they are um, and feel what I feel how I need to. And like, that is really hard. Like that's a hard thing to do and to let yourself do. Um, And it's just a tricky balance. And I think we already talked about that Mm -hmm. um, a little bit. So I think all of that said, like, I know I can for sure let hard times kind of consume everything else that's happening in my life um, for like a week or a month or like maybe more. Um, So how do we kind of combat that? And how do we realize that a bad day might not be the most significant thing in the long run without minimizing it and like Mm. minimizing our feelings and like what we need in that moment
2: yeah i mean i think it's okay to be authentic and to Mm -hmm. say man this really sucks yeah or this really makes me sad especially in safe relationships Mm. where those people will hear us and help us to bear that Um, But at the same time, I think we should also be aware of, um, maybe this is the mom in me (laughs) coming out, (laughs) but um, be aware of the fact that our physical bodies can also tint things, Mm. you know, like, I mean, even Elijah, uh, Christian studies professors, don't, don't listen to this because I don't remember if it's Elijah or Elijah. I always Um, do that. I know. But even Elijah, you know, he's, he's depressed, he wants to die. Mm-hmm. So he's having a really bad day, yeah. you know, and God says, here, have a snack and a nap and you'll feel better. Right. Right. So God's not minimizing his feelings, but he is giving him a way to feel better about them. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it's okay to feel things and it's okay to say the the truth about things. But then I also think it's a good idea to kind of take a step back and Mm -hmm. say, "What? What is this? What? How is this going to impact me for the week? Right? For the Mm -hmm. month? For the semester? Right? Yeah. Um, Because I think so much of college is so formative, Mm. and part of being in college is learning how to weather these things, Mm -hmm. because, you know. If you have a job or if you have, like, a school teacher, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to have a really bad conversation with a parent. Yeah. And then you're going to have to turn around and love those 22-year-old kids. Right. 22 kids in your classroom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So learning how to weather the five-point quiz (laughs) Mm. that's really not Uh a big deal in the scheme of things is practice for that. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's God's grace. He's giving you the moment, mm-hmm. the opportunity to learn how to do that in a small, in a small way.
1: Yeah. And I think having the foresight to look and see like, okay, how is this thing that happened last night going to affect me for the foreseeable future um, in all of the varying degrees? Like, I think that is such a gift that not everyone has but I think it oh, also yeah. can definitely be learned and like practiced. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of leads to the next question. Like, it's kind of funny. We've talked about grief every episode in this season. Oh. Um, and and how grief can be like grieving a loved one and also grieving a 65 on a paper that you really needed to get an A on. Absolutely. Um, so like when we were talking, like something that is small in size, not insignificance. Um, Like, okay, so how do you grieve well? Because we're saying like grieving for practice, like Mm. maybe if you're equipped to grieve a friendship or a 65 on a paper really well, then when something like life altering, like a death in the family or like a really hard decision like happens, then you can grieve that. I don't wanna say better because it's never I think better or worse. No. But maybe more familiarly. Um, yeah, so what does like good grief <laughs> look like? Like what do you see that as? Obviously I, I think it's there's a lot of facets to and a question like that, to an answer like that.
2: Yeah. I think I I just I I guess I would just have to go back to my own experience mm-hmm. in um saying it kind of I mean, it really does come down to you, how do you view your relationship with God? Yeah. Right. So do you think that I have to do the best that I can to make myself look really good Hmm. so that he'll be happy with me? Or do you really think that he will be with you no matter what? Hmm. Right? Yeah. So no matter whether you miss five points on this pop quiz. or your dad suddenly dies in a car wreck. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And those moments are God's gracious love for us in being with us Mm -hmm. because, and I I just have to go back to my grandmother. I've been, I've been thinking a lot about her um, lately and she was, I mentioned her in class the other day um, as being one of my heroes, but she, My, um, she, she in the fifties and sixties, um, raised my mom and her brother, Hmm. um, by herself because her husband left her. Hmm. And, um, you know, this was the time when women couldn't do anything. Hmm. She couldn't buy a car by herself. She couldn't, um, change addresses by herself. It Hmm. it just, it was very limiting. Plus the stigma of being divorced. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I was growing up, I never really knew that because she never said anything bad Mm. about that previous situation. I just knew my grandpa Mm. who was her second husband. And, but also she taught me how to pray Mm. because she was constantly praying. Yeah. Like, sometimes when we were in looking for a parking place she would just say jesus help me find a parking place Mm -hmm. and it wasn't like a you know this is my mantra but it was really it was really a jesus is right here with us Mm. so i'm going to talk to him Mm -hmm. and she would tell me sometimes you know sometimes the only thing that you know to say is jesus yeah and so sometimes i would hear her saying Jesus, 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 Mm -hmm. especially in these moments where looking back now, Mm. they were moments of PTSD Mm. where she was having like a physical reaction Mm. of fear. And yet she was entering into the idea that Jesus was with her in that moment. Mm. And I just kind of think about her um, witness, her perspective, you know, and. Whether it was small, like finding a parking place, or a really big situation where she was having a panic attack Mm -hmm. and didn't necessarily have the words to put to it, she still believed that Jesus was with her. And I think that's one of the things that we have to think about. Mm -hmm. Like, where does our faith meet the road, so to speak? Like, you know, where, when we do get an F on that test, or when I do get slapped down by Mm -hmm. (laughs) a committee or whatever, you know, at work, what is my reaction going to be? Mm -hmm. Am I going to believe that Jesus is with me and giving me the strength that I need to walk through that moment?
1: And I think approaching it from that sort of direction is like so much better. And, And this is not to say that what I'm about to say isn't true and doesn't happen, but like approaching it from Jesus is with me in this is so much better than approaching it From, like, eventually, like, Jesus is going to work this out to be, like, good or whatever. Because Because that's so hard to believe. It might not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, big picture eventually, (laughs) eventually, (laughs) eventually. like Depending on what you believe about resurrection and recreation, like, it will be worked out, like, for capital G good and glory. Mm -hmm. um, Which is... Awesome. And we recorded a very good episode about that with Dr. Turner, um, last season, uh, where we just kind of nerded out and talked about all of those things. But like, eventually, yeah, the bad things will be undone. I think that's a quote from Sam in the in Lord of the Rings, um, or something like that. Some, some <laughs> paraphrase. Um, but like in the meantime, what do we do? How do we temper that? And I think it is like, man, we have someone who Has done this perfectly, and so we can kind of rest in that. And also, um, there's this great idea from the—I don't even know. Like, I read it in this book by this uh, by this priest who was writing about prayer. Then I read it in a book from Henry Nouwen, and then I read it in a book uh, from—I think it was in. what's the Kempis work? Imitation of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Imitation of Christ. And so I was like, how far back does this idea go? But like the idea that through, and it it is in scripture, but like I've never heard it fleshed out in in a similar way. Like through Christ, we have access to the full breadth of human suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's maybe getting a little ahead of ourselves because like we're gonna talk (laughs) about that in a little bit. But yeah, I think remembering that is like, We don't only have access to, like, other people's suffering in Jesus. We have access to our suffering in Jesus Mm -hmm. um, and a friend in that, which is, like, something that's so easy to forget. Because when you are – when you're driven by – like, genuinely driven by the way of Jesus, you are, I think, driven ultimately to compassion. um, But remembering to have compassion for yourself is something that is so hard. Yes. Um, And I think – like, just me personally, I like the, like, have compassion for yourself more than have grace for yourself, because I think that just has a lot of connotations for people that is, like, really churchy and church hurdy and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think a big part of that is, like, just remembering that, you know, there's someone here with you. And uh, it's interesting you mentioned that about, like, the Jesus prayer, essentially, like, saying Jesus as, like, a grounding word, centering word. Mm-hmm. Um, I just started uh, The Body Keeps the Score. By Bessel van der Kolk, mm-hmm. and he, he, yeah, she.
2: I don't remember. I think it might be she.
1: Okay, they, <laughs> yeah, talk about. Um, we'll
2: just cover all the bases. Yeah, but.
1: yeah. They talk about like, how, like it, the book is essentially about how your body internalizes trauma, um, like very physically, um, and not just like neurophysically. Talking about neuroplasticity and neural pathways and stuff like that, but like, like physical responses. Um, in your anatomy to uh triggering situations and i hate that that word has like people feel weird about the word triggered now yeah but like whatever it's a a good (laughs) it's a good term yeah um and they mention in the book like have a grounding word and i'm like man Mm. that is so cool because like i don't know that's essentially what she was doing then yeah my grandma yeah so cool here. Here it is. Here's the question I've been I've been asking since June. Um and kind of where this episode comes from, uh and this book that I read. Um what is appropriate speech to and about God in the face of grief and suffering? Like that is like the thing that I've been thinking about. And like, there is genuinely like a whole episode, like a whole podcast here, I think. Um, but I would love to touch on it for a minute because basically because I read a few books this summer and I'm ba- <laughs> like, I'm an expert now. Um, no, of course not, kidding. Um, a little bit, no. <laughs> um, but the book I read is called Abraham's Silence. Mm. It was amazing. I know you were like interested in it. I was
2: putting it on my TBR list.
1: Definitely should read it. Um, Really good. I think everyone should read it. Um, Essentially what the book is, is it's addressing that question through an um, alternate interpretation of Genesis 22, wherein Abraham actually lacks the faith to anticipate God's character um, and to say, Hey, Genesis 22 is the binding of Isaac, um, where Abraham almost sacrifices his son, seemingly at god's command um and the traditional interpretation of that is that abraham had the faith that god would either w- do two things one provide for a sacrifice mm-hmm. once they got there and or two, raise isaac from the dead mm-hmm. if he went through with it which both amazing things the text does not say that abraham thought those things that what the text does seem to imply is that abraham didn't say a word to God about this, didn't talk back at all, didn't question. He also seemed like kind of put in this like weird fugue state where he was like, You know, how someone would react if some divine voice was like, hey, kill your son for me. Um, (laughs) Just was like being weird. He saddled the donkey before he did everything else, which is like a big no-no in ancient Near Eastern culture, I guess. Hmm. Um, And also for him to do it himself and not to ask his servants. There's a bunch of weird sequencing things that are out of order. That's super nerdy. (laughs) But essentially, the author, Richard J. Middleton, like asserts that Abraham should have just like he did four chapters before um, with Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham should have interceded for his son and said, God, this is outside of your character. Just Mm. like Moses did on Sinai when God said that he was going to scrap the Israel project Mm -hmm. and start over with Moses. Moses told him, like, then you're a liar if you do that. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how bold he was. He literally said, like, then you're being dishonest to me, to Israel, to Egypt. Like, you told everyone that your name, Yahweh, is connected to the fact that you will deliver with deliver these people and stick with them. Mm-hmm. And you're considering, like, giving that up, like, because it's hard? Mm. And I'm like, Moses,
0: <laughs> <laughs> calm down.
1: Um, and, like, that is so bold. And so to think that Abraham didn't have bold enough faith, that was just super interesting. And kind of where the idea for this episode comes from mm. is, like, are we allowed to, like— Like, what are we, how far can we go with our, uh, I guess, lament or petition uh, or intercession on behalf of ourselves um, or our friends who are going through something really, really hard. Um, And also in this book, he is like, well, Job answers our question. Um, And he talks about how like through Job, kind of move through these seven different movements of like testing, okay, is this okay speech? Uh, Is this okay speech? And I wrote them down. Um, The first one is bless God. Job does not do that. That would be inappropriate speech and like dishonest to his situation and probably the way he was thinking and feeling about God. Second is curse God. Job did not do that. That would also be inappropriate because if God is genuinely good, they just don't curse him because your circumstances have changed, right? The third is passively accept your suffering. That's pretty lame too. I think to just like throw in the towel and like, oh well, God has a plan. I, I don't know. Maybe that works for you. It has never worked Slap for me. Slap down
2: your Hobby Lobby mug. Yeah. I, was just, I,
1: <laughs> I can't even like.
2: Hashtag blast. I,
1: I think before this summer, before I read this book and kind of started down this journey that has been longer than this summer, like I kind of thought like that was okay. Um, and I don't necessarily think it's harmful. I think it can be harmful if you don't know how to approach things that way correctly. Yeah. Like if you don't know how to like, quote unquote, passively like accept suffering in a way that is like honoring and not just like either apathetic or like wildly insecure um, is hard.
2: Do you think, I I think it probably could be harmful if you keep God behind a barrier though.
1: Yeah. Right. Mm.
2: So like if you feel like, well, this is the way I used to. Right. That you, that you can't be authentic. Yeah. That, that I would tell more I would be more honest with a friend than I would with God. Yeah. Right? Because I had been taught, you know, you check all your boxes, mm-hmm. you pray this way. Mm-hmm. Y- y- God is the God like he's holy, you can't approach him like you would a person. Right. All of that stuff and f- at least in my situation that was harmful.
1: Same. Yeah.
2: I mean, that was not and I mean, wasn't I remaking God in my own image that I wanted him to be in, Mm -hmm. you know, and also being deceitful to myself, because then I'm not Mm. saying, you know. Actually, God knows, Yeah, (laughs) you know, I'm not hiding anything. Right.
1: And also like, why would you want, like, like I have done that exact same thing and like recreating God myself to be like this kind of distant thing, Mm -hmm. whatever, um, that I can like go to and I need something, but also I'm like afraid if I feel like it's too selfish or like maybe a little too bold. Um, like why, why would you want to recreate God in that? image. Like why would I want to do that? That is not yeah. like convenient or comforting or anything. It's just kind of weird. Well um, and it's
2: not what we see either. Yeah. In the scripture. Of course. Because like going back to your original question, you know, how do we talk to God or about God in the face of grief and suffering? I mean, Psalm eighty eight. Oh, do yeah. not go there. Yeah. <laughs> if you are one if you have, you know, questions right. or a depressed day. Because uh, Absolutely, there is, yeah. narratively speaking, lyrically speaking, there is no there feels like no hope yeah. in that psalm. But also, I mean, Jesus asked questions.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He was literally on the cross, asking,
1: yeah, why? Linking to a very very emotional psalm, like Father, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, is a direct like callback to I forget which psalm it is but a super emotionally charged one of like, God, you're not there. Like from how I see it, you are gone. Um, And like, I don't know. And then Gethsemane too, like
0: petitioning
1: for God to like, let this not happen to him is not a thing that should be taken lightly. And it's not a like passive thing at all. No. So of course, like, yeah. Um, Yeah. The next one is a nonverbal mourning followed by silence. I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Job rips up his clothes, smashes some pots, and itches himself a little bit, and then like screams a whole lot, and then sits with his friends for silence for seven days, which is and then like oh the line after I, I think it's the first maybe the first line of Job three. Um, where it says, like, and after all of these things, Job's, like, opened his mouth. Mm. I was like, oh, my gosh. Anyway.
2: But w- as a culture, we don't know how to do that.
1: Yeah. Oh, no.
2: We have such a short attention span. Mm-hmm. Not not just with, like, regular things, but just with life. Mm. You know, the wedding's over in three hours. Yeah. And then we've moved on. Or the gender reveal party yeah. is, Man. you know, done. And we don't allow ourselves to actually process the grief and the change.
1: And I think that's
2: part of our problem.
1: Oh, for sure. It's wanting what we want when we want it, like, which is often immediately. Mm -hmm. And I think grief change, we talked about this last week as well, like is hard and like, honestly, sometimes terrible, but it is at the same time beautiful and like, sometimes refining i i really don't like to say that like hard circumstances are always refining because i know there's some really really awful things that happen to people yeah. and like that is a terrible thing to hear um so i think it's a little more nuanced than just a blanket sit statement sorry peter um and paul <laughs> but yeah i don't know i i i definitely see that and i definitely see our culture just in a even on our campus, uh, an aversion to specifically like silence and solitude, Um, which like I try to take a silence and solitude a day a month and it has honestly been amazing. And if you're curious about that, please ask me about it. Um, But like it has been like 24 hours without speaking is very hard, very hard for me as well. Um, It's gotten easier, but to just be alone with your thoughts and with God for most of the day and then sleeping for the rest um, is like so strangely life-giving and clarifying and like in ways that you don't think it's going to be or anything ever could be. Um, So I like, I like number four, nonverbal mourning followed by silence. (laughs) Um, Five is protest or complain about your suffering. Yes. I see this in scripture. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Talked about Psalm 88. that's more of a process. I don't really know if he's protesting. He's just kind of really feeling weird. (laughs) Well, but we have other people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Protest. Jesus.
2: God, why are you doing this? Mm Where, or where are, so often we have the Psalm saying, where are you? Mm. The, the wicked are flourishing. Yeah, Psalm 55.
1: Read that this morning. And it's just this whole thing of like, like all of the people that should be like getting their comeuppance are like it looks like you're blessing them. Like what's mm-hmm. going on, um, which is a hard thing as well. And and another facet of, of grief and suffering and and um, just all of these things we're talking about. But yeah, I see that one for sure in the Bible. And, and also the sixth one is defend God and explain suffering. I think this has different connotations to us now than it did for the ancient world. Um, Job's friends tried to do that and it didn't really work out for them in the book of job god was kind of like why are you doing that like job's kind of doing great um yeah if god
2: tells you you're a crappy friend you're a crappy friend
1: yeah and like (laughs) Elihu kind of gets there but also drops the ball a little bit like what's he doing there still don't know um (laughs) and so i think like and then i think this is like super tied to the problem of evil and apologetics and stuff like that and so that's just I didn't even write anything for that. I just wrote, eh, <laughs> like underneath it. Um, and then the last one is direct protest and complaint to God. And we already kind of touched mm-hmm. on that, um, which so, and that one I think, yes, of course you can do that. So, and these things like conceptually you can know and maybe in, like intellectually you can know them, but to actually do them is honestly really scary. Like I read this book this summer and was confronted with the fact that like in the face of hard circumstances, uh, Nonverbal mourning followed by silence, protest and complaint about your suffering to your community, and direct protest and complaint to God about your suffering. Mm-hmm. Those things are okay. Like you can do that. There's freedom yeah. to do that. You don't have to hashtag blessed it up on your Instagram feed like after like your aunt gets diagnosed with something really, yeah. really hard or, or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Um and so And I think yeah. this
2: is like this is something that I'm just going to go ahead and say it. White people aren't good at, mm. especially white yeah. Americans, because we have it so good. Yeah. Right. We have so many blessings. Yeah. And the church ar- around the world um, is suffering mm. so much. And like, how do we walk through that? You know, what do we do with Hebrews Yeah, where it talks about Hebrews 11, where y- you have the great cloud of witnesses who are cheering you on. Mm. Like, how do you, how do you think they handled that Mm. suffering? Yeah. Um, I still remember the road I was on where I was going and I was listening to this podcast. This was maybe four or five years ago. And, um, I had been dealing with my chronic illness for about three years and, um, um, just debilitating pain mm-hmm. and no answers mm-hmm. no clear like this is what's happening or actual diagnosis or mm. reasons or nothing mm. and i was listening to this podcast and it was it had two african american preachers on it and he was the this one preacher was saying you know what was it like in 1841 To be a believer, to be a slave. Yeah. And to have the, the, like your future looks like for generations, your children will be in slavery. Man. And yet still believe that God is good. Yeah. Like how are you, how, how, what must that have looked like for Christ to enter into that suffering?
0: Mm.
2: And I just thought, how, how can i you know yes i have this situation with my health Mm. but i'm not afraid that anybody's going to take away my child yeah you know i'm not i have a nice bed to sleep in
1: man yeah (laughs)
2: you know and so like to me at least for me personally some of the biggest encouragement is thinking about job Mm. or um, harriet tubman or um Ruth or Rahab, you know, these yeah, great right. he- these great heroes of the faith, but not only great heroes, great sufferers of mm-hmm. the faith who are cheering me on. Mm-hmm. Like that's the picture. Right, right. So how's it gonna help me to say, hashtag bless, you know? <laughs> yeah. That does it. Yeah. I- it would be better for me to say, this really sucks. This is really hard. Mm-hmm. God why? Yeah. Jesus be with me.
1: Right. Yeah. I, yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you are curious about a, um, maybe a resource for a little bit more perspective on um, suffering, specifically suffering within the um, like black American church, um, The Fire Next Time by mm. James Baldwin, mm, maybe <laughs> don't read it if you're, Struggling with doubt, I think. Um, he, long story short, he was a minister at age fourteen. I think is when he was ordained, and he left the faith at age seventeen because he saw what the white church was doing to, yeah. like the black church, essentially in the in the mid nineteen hundreds. I think he wrote it in, um, I think it was the late fifties, I believe, um, or maybe with the late sixties. Either way, just a hard time. Uh, for sure. Uh, And they're both letters to his nephew um, about what it means to be a young black man, specifically a young black man asking the questions like, is this all there is? What else is there? Like, is there like, is it worth it to like, believe in God? Is God real? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, Great questions, great context about like what it means to suffer as a person who is not a white middle-class american um very hard read as well like easy read i read it in a day but like emotionally taxing um yeah one thing that you say in your classes a lot is that the most adult thing that you can do is to ask for help why is that so hard Like, why is it like asking for help wrong, do you think, in a lot of the, in the minds of a lot of college students?
2: So I have to give a little shout out to um, Buffy the Vampire, because that's where it comes from. Um, So when I went to uh, St. Andrews, I had lived in South Carolina all my life, and I moved,
1: Hmm. yeah,
2: like moved house, moved home, sold things to a place that I had never been to and didn't know anybody. Hmm. And so I was like, okay, God, this is you and me and you, and me and my toothbrush, <laughs> you know, here we go. And I kind of discovered Buffy because <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a lot of time on my hands. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that her, one um, um, her mentor says that the most adult thing you can do is hmm. ask for help. And I think. The reason why we find that hard is because it shows that we don't know everything Hmm. and that there's possibility for us to be wrong maybe Hmm. or not, or to be vulnerable. Right. And um, I think it just goes back to like, what's your view of God? Yeah. Right. If you believe that there's someone who knows more than you do. Yeah i.e. Jesus, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the Trinity, Mm -hmm. um, then surely there's somebody that knows more than you do here. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Odds are.
2: (laughs) Yeah, odds are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think also when you ask for help, so often that gives the opportunity for you to find resources or relationships or help that you didn't know of. Mm-hmm. was there you know or that you
1: even needed right exactly
2: yeah because yeah. i always tell my students you know i, I just ask because mm-hmm. <laughs> so many times students feel like you know i'm supposed to know everything but that's not right yeah. true at all and um i if i can't help then i'll get you to somebody who can mm-hmm. you know
0: mm-hmm.
2: and i think also when we ask for help it gives the other person an opportunity to care for us Mm. in a good way. Yeah. Um, And you never know what might happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think that is something that needs to be dispelled very quickly. The idea. And I think like the idea that we can't ask for help is definitely tied to like this, like hubris around what we know um, or we think we know. And I think that is like, kind of where the, like, we can't ask God why stems from, because we're Mm -hmm. supposed to know, and God knows you don't know.
2: Yeah, (laughs) right.
1: Like, if you're going to hide it from anyone, if you're going to ask for help from anyone, it should be him, because he knows you need it. Yeah. Um, But also, like, your community, like, people care about you. People are more perceptive than you think, um, which is really scary, but (laughs) I think also freeing, because it takes some of the weight of being a person off, like your roommate knows you're having a bad day. So don't put on a front or or, like your roommate knows you're really, really struggling, having a hard time in this area. Ask them for help. Like, do you know what I mean? And like, Mm -hmm. even your professors can tell. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just the people you see every day know the patterns of who you are. And so, you know,
2: and I think also, I don't know if this is something that's peculiar to women, Hmm. Cause this is only, I mean, I'm speaking from my limited experience, but I feel like in the South, especially women are supposed to have it all together, Hmm. you know, and we're supposed to like, you offer help, but you don't accept it. I see. Right. So, um, and I kind of encountered this myself, (laughs) um, the end of August, we had COVID at my house. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. We're, (laughs) we're better now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but, uh, we had COVID and my kids where, you know, they bounced, they were great. I had it really bad mm. and on my birthday. And oh. <laughs> it was horrible. Like my fingers hurt. What in the that world? was how oh, bad man. it was. Yeah. And um one of my former students who had babysat for my kids, she just texted me and she said, Um, you know, I hope you have a good birthday. Mm. And I said, Well, it's kinda not, you know, we have <laughs> COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and she actually ended up bringing us groceries.
1: Huh. Wow.
2: And I just, I was so humbled and blessed by a loaf of bread and mm. eggs. Yeah. You know, because I, my husband and I were at our limits. Mm. Like when you're sick and you have kids, that is the worst because you can't just crawl in bed you know you have to make sure your children are safe and fed Uh and not killing each other Uh you know so i i don't know i i i kind of felt like that was god's reminder to me Mm. at the beginning of the semester you know when somebody offers help also be willing to accept it Mm. because she she said like can i do anything to help yeah and so instead of just saying, no, I think we have it, uh-huh. when I'm really dying on <laughs> yeah, the floor right, right. in the bathroom, you know, I said, actually, mm-hmm. could you help us by bringing us some food? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you just never know, you know, be willing to accept mm-hmm. help too, it's a good thing.
1: Yeah, and I think like that kind of goes nicely into sort of wrapping things up, like maybe you're not the one having a bad day. Um, you will, and you probably have, <laughs> um, but like maybe things are going great and like maybe you're the one that is being asked for help. Um, so I think how, and obviously this depends on a lot of different things, sure. um, but like how do we come alongside someone and care for them in their grief and in their disappointment and their heartache and whatever, their bad day, right? Yeah. Um, like what does that look like?
2: Well, I would say number one thing is pray.
1: Mm. Yeah. Like
2: even, even if it's just because we talked about a grounding word earlier, mm-hmm. but just even if it's something just like a sentence, pray for them. Mm-hmm. I've passed students on the sidewalk and I can tell they're having a bad mm-hmm. day and I just pray for them yeah. in that moment, even if I don't know who they are. And I remember one of my friends who's now, um, an author, her name is Hannah, Hannah Anderson. She said, you know, if we believe that God is outside of time, mm-hmm. And something has already happened, why don't we go ahead and pray for it anyway? Yeah. Right? Because God is outside of time. We don't know. I mean, the the whole point of praying is for us to be connected to Him. Yeah. So I think praying for the other person, Mm -hmm. but also being willing to actually pray for them. Yeah. With them, like out loud, verbally, can make a big difference too. Mm. Because I've prayed for students in my office and, It's a way of reminding ourselves that we are such fallible creatures, you Mm -hmm. know, and we need Jesus's help. Mm. But then also, like you said, be willing to be silent sometimes Mm. Yeah. and listen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Here's the verse from Job. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Yeah. Like... Sometimes, genuinely, and I've been here. Like, all a person needs is someone sitting next to them on the couch, like yep. literally, just sitting in like a dimly lit room, just yep. sitting there.
2: But also, maybe bring coffee.
1: Also, maybe bring coffee. Yeah, yeah. coffee's or, a good or thing. Or tea, or yep. like uh, <laughs> like your DVD of like Spy Kids too, or something. I don't know. Whatever, yep. whatever you're gonna watch. Um, just like be with someone and I don't know, I, I think so often we get caught up in like the idea that helping is like doing yeah. and like that you have to always do something for someone to help. And like, that is, I think mostly true, but it goes back to this, like, no one wants to wait for someone to heal with somebody. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to sit and wait with somebody to heal. Cause like you've got a volleyball game to go to, or like you've got whatever, or like that's gonna take a month and a half. You don't wanna do that. Um, but genuinely on the other side of it, I can think of like two or three people that did that for me. And like there is nobody and nothing that I'm more grateful for. Like yep. genuinely. Um that's just an amazing thing to be able to do for people. And so
2: Well, and maybe yeah. maybe like coming out of COVID and pandemic, yeah, that's something that we can Take with us. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. For sure. Which is realizing, you know, we did stuff. I'm using rabbit's air quotes yeah. <laughs> here did stuff uh-huh. during COVID, but the connections weren't there. Right. Right. Because right. we weren't with the person. Yeah. So being aware that we are physical beings mm. and being in the same place, in the same space with somebody can just be a help.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Henry Nowen has another quote from that same book uh, where he says, prayer is the seat of compassion. Um, And it is like, Mm -hmm. if you really want to be a compassionate person, and essentially that's what this episode is about. Mm -hmm. This part of the episode is is how to be compassionate to people who are struggling. Like you, you can't not pray for them. Like if you actually believe the things you say you believe, if you say you believe them, you know, then you can't discount what prayer can do for you and cultivating compassion in you and supernaturally for them and their circumstance and their heart. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: So at our church every Sunday, we pray for Joseph mm. Biden and Henry McMaster. mm. And it's awfully hard to hate somebody if you're praying for them by name. Right. (laughs) Wow. Can I just recommend something really quick? Oh yeah. There's a new book that has just come out recently by, um, I never know how to say her name laura wilbert Mm. um but she has written a book um called a curious faith Mm. all about um just asking questions to god Mm. um and and also looking at moments where god asks questions to us yeah um kind of allowing us to be able to ask for help hmm. and to ask questions to God, to invite him into those huh. places in our life.
1: Yeah. Um, I think on the topic of books, Tish Harrison Warren has a new book. Yes. Um, forget the name of it. Prayers in the Night. Prayers in the Night um, about this. Um, and also, oh, I was just gonna, oh um, Pete. Grieg, I think is his name, has a book on unanswered prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll link all of these. We'll link all of these in the show notes um, and throw them up on our story. If you want to, if you're curious about them or whatever, um, definitely uh, let us know. Um, yeah. So I think I want to end with these from, um, so there's a, a, a book that I love and I actually don't have the second volume of it, which these are from Don't Tell Eugene Peterson, Andrew Peterson. Yeah, I was going to say, Eugene Peterson's dead. Eugene Peterson, unfortunately, is dead. Yeah, Eat This Book is amazing. Anyways, rabbit trail. Rabbit Room. (laughs) Right. Rabbit Room. Uh, Don't tell Andrew Peterson that I stole these from the internet. Um, I don't think he'll care very much. Uh, They're from volume two of a book called Every Moment Holy, which is a book of liturgies for, like, the modern Christian literally in the first one. One of my favorites is, well, obviously the ritual of morning coffee.
2: I was going to say, yeah, making coffee, such
1: a good one. Um, but then like a super random one that I really like is a liturgy for beekeeping, like what? Um, but these are from the second volume, which was written in the, like the middle, the height of the pandemic. Um, and it's for grief and suffering and longing. Um, and so the first one is a liturgy for extending kindness to one who grieves. Today, Lord, let me remember the grace that has been lavished on me, that I might lavish it on another. You have cared so well for me, my God. Again and again, you have met my deepest needs. You have comforted my soul. Now strengthen and empower me by your spirit, that I might in humility, kindness, and sincere love echo your great care for me by comforting and caring for another in their hour of need.
2: So this is a liturgy for difficult days. Now unfolded in your grace, born by your love, and steadied by your constant presence, O Lord, let me traverse this otherwise impassable day. This is a liturgy for centering the heart and the faithfulness of God. We remember your past faithfulness, O Lord. We plead for your present comforts. We await the future fulfillment of your promises. Mm. Amen
1: Yeah That last one was good Yeah Yeah if you Are struck by anything We talked about today Please like Don't hesitate to Send us a DM I know we say that At the end of every episode But like Absolutely Like if this is something That is weighing heavy on you Definitely reach out um, We'll put the The number And the contact information For Thrive In the In the show notes as well um, And Yeah it Like Don't be afraid to ask for help That is really, I think, the main takeaway. And don't be afraid to be asked for help. That can be a scary thing too. Um, Yeah, I hope this was really helpful. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you, Dr. Wyman, for coming on. A little great conversation uh, we had for a not so little amount of time. Um, Our professor episodes are always super long, which is great. And uh, yeah, so bye.
0: always i know i wasn't even on this episode it's like a special guest it is it's end. like what's going on are and we recording this so.
1: in the past or in the future, future who's to say no one knows you won't know we know that we know
0: anyway so events for this weekend and into next week we've got braves game is tonight so hopefully you grab a ticket for that if not no stress we'll probably go in the spring again um and you can come with us then but we're going to the braves tonight Tomorrow night is $5 movie night, which is so fun. Um, Tickets are sold out for that one. So sorry. But hopefully, if you got a ticket, you're going to see a fun movie. On Monday, we've got the Enneagram CEP. It's called That Enneagram Thing. Because, you know, people are like, do you know about that Enneagram Thing? Mm -hmm. That's how I was always asked. It's a great name. And (laughs) I got distracted by you. And then I was like, no, you're okay. And then I was like, oh, no, you're not. You're not supposed to be here. (laughs) She laughed and then was like. And I was like, fine. But then I was like, oh, no, wait, they don't know. So they're gonna be like, who's laughing at? Who is that? Who is that? <laughs> who's in the room? It's so. not
1: Dr. Waima. <laughs> okay. Enneagram CP, that
0: Enneagram thing. Okay, I must just say all that over. Now they know who I am. And then on Monday we've got that Enneagram thing. It is a CP. We called it that Enneagram thing because you know people are always like, "What's that Enneagram thing? Do you know about that Enneagram mm-hmm. thing? That's that. So come talk to other people that are your type." And get some little gifts from student activities. They're very fun. And then that's it. We do have one more, but it's a surprise. So we're not going to tell you here. Oh. Ooh. You'll have to wait and see. But hope you have a great week. Talk to you later. Peace out, girls Scout. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.
1: Popping in with a quick save the date in case you haven't heard yet. Homecoming week is the week of October 24th. It's going to be the most fun and we can't wait. If it's not on your calendar yet, jot it down. October 24th through 29th.
0: Can we plug our own product? Is that an option? (laughs) I think we can. If you're not already reading the 411 every week, it is like the most vital of emails. I really think that you should. It's one of the best ways that you can get connected. It's the way that you can jump in on new things if you haven't tried something yet. So read the 411. With all the love in my heart, read the 411.
1: This might feel a little random to you, but it doesn't to us. Our team really loves the local church. And if you haven't gotten plugged into a local body just yet, here's an open invitation. Ask any of our team if you can go to church with us. We'd love to have you.
0: Just in case you didn't know about this, SGA meetings, which are typically held on Monday nights, are open to all of campus. If you've got a brilliant idea, I'm sure that they would love to hear it. Those meeting details are in the 411, and you can just pop in if you'd like to go. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the AUSA podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, do us a favor and share it with your friends. And if you have any thoughts or questions, you can DM us on Instagram at eighty four one one. Speaking of, to keep up with all things student activities, visit our Instagram at AU411. And if you want to get texts from us, we can send you some reminders. You can text AU411 to 833-352-0192. We promise no spam, only fun. For more information on events in general outside of just student activities or to RSVP for anything, you can head over to A United.
1: Thanks to the band Tense for our intro song, Insert Some Quarters, and our break music, Champ Call. Special thanks to Anderson University's Makerspace, where we record our episodes, to our guests this week, to the event coordinators that planned the upcoming events, and to everyone who devoted their time, energy, and wisdom to the resources used in this episode. Again, and as always, thanks for listening. See you next time.